time once again for The View from Victoria with the Vancouver Suns, Vaughn Palmer. Good morning again to you. And good morning, Jill. And uh, I know we've been talking about poll numbers, and uh, like you said yesterday, a poll one poll is one poll, but uh, these numbers are interesting when you look at how things are playing out in provincial politics. Yeah, with an election now a little less than a year away, and we can discuss that timing issue as we go along, <laughs> there's an opinion poll that came out this week that suggested the tide of voter opinion in the province is shifting. So as you say, it's only one poll, but... Uh, For part of the year, we've seen that BC United and the BC Conservatives are kind of within a margin of error of a dead heat, or maybe BC Conservatives slightly ahead. Poll that came out over the weekend, however, showed the Conservatives now in solid second place in BC, a nine-point lead over BC United, and BC United support is dropping. Uh, With an election year coming, that triggered... A lot of speculation on two fronts. One, that the New Democrats might call an early election to preempt the rise of B.C. conservatives to head them off and just in case they go Pierre Polyev on them. And the other one, uh, of course, is uh, if you look at if you if you in your mind add together the support for B.C. United and B.C. conservatives then the not the NDP vote in the province is in about a dead heat with the NDP. So you look at that and you go, well, what if those two parties could get together? That would change the, the landscape. Never mind that they just spent the last 18 months splitting apart. So that invited a lot of speculation. And Jill, I have to say the Premier uh, <laughs> fueled it on Monday uh, during a press conference uh, where he said, uh, told reporters, uh, well, you know, all the next election is six months away. Wait a minute. Um, he's been saying since he became leader and premier a year ago that he was going to stick with the October election date. Six months, let's see, look at the calendar, it's May, and all of a sudden, wow, we're into heavy speculation right away. EB tried to correct it right away and said, nah, I meant 10 months, but come on, everyone's going on. Is that a slip or was that a slip? Yeah. and So we got asked about it yesterday. <laughs> As I'm <laughs> sure a, he was he expecting. Had a, he had a news conference <laughs> on some other topic. When they opened it up for questions, it was the first question. Say, hey, uh, like that bit about six months away, are you like uh, changing your mind about an early election, and, and frankly, some New Democrats were hoping he was, because some New Democrats think that the party really should call an early election and head off what's happening with the Conservatives. Anyway, Evie came in and he said, no, 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 look, I've said many, many times I'm sticking with the election date that's written into election law, and that's October the 19th, 2024, and that's when we're going to have an election. And he said, okay, he said, I've talked to many people, And no one has told me that we need an early election. And he said that in group group includes his wife, Kaylee, who reminded him that uh, the couple's third child is due in June. So uh, I have to say, if that's the reason he's not changing his mind, that's the best reason I've ever heard (laughs) for not calling a snap election. You've got your third child on the way. You're going to have a big family and uh, you're not interested in campaigning through the last what would be uh, four or five weeks of your wife's pregnancy. 
Yeah, what a, a, an interesting, and a, a few people got some laughs out of that too. But it also doesn't it, Vaughn, that even if he was thinking about it and that was a slip, he, he can't do it now, can he? I mean, he yeah. has. He had to have said no the whole way along because if the minute you don't, then there's the speculation, yeah. oh, well, he must be calling it. But now that he's gone to this length, like, oh, no, that was my wife's due date and it was uh, absolutely not... How could he possibly go back on that now? You're right. You know, the only reason we've even had this speculation, the B.C. liberals, when they were government, brought in the idea of a fixed election date, that we were going to have elections every four years on a date that would be written into law. And, and yes, in an emergency, you could get a different result, the timing. But basically, and the liberals stuck to that date. And so the New Democrats said they were going to stick to that date, too. In fact, they signed an agreement. John Horgan signed an agreement with the Green Party to stick to the date, which would have put the election in October uh, 2021. And Horgan then, in an act of political self-interest and opportunism, tore up the agreement with the Greens and called a snap election in the fall of 2020. And he's the guy who planted the idea that you don't actually have to stick to the date written into law if it's an opportunity for well, political opportunism. Horgan did it. There was a bit of a backlash for a couple of days, and then he won a landslide victory. So, you know, that's the reason EB's beset with this, is people remember that it's possible for a cynical New Democrat to ignore the date. But you're right, Jill. David Eby has said this so many times that the province's news organizations have a stack of tape and digital records and print records of, of the premier saying, no, 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 no. I don't see how he can back off now unless, heaven forbid, there's some sort of catastrophe descends on the province. And I wouldn't wish that on any province, especially our own. So, no, I think you go October the 19th. That's it. Let's not talk about this anymore. Fun though it is to speculate about early elections. It is. It is indeed. Um, any chance, I know you mentioned this, but is there any chance we see BC United and the BC Conservatives getting together? Well, you know, that's an interesting one because Kevin Falcon got asked last week about that and he said, well, you know, I'm always open to the idea of working with somebody else to defeat the NDP. But he immediately said, look, I don't think BC United uh, and BC Conservatives that get together. He said, I, I don't think the BC Conservatives are interested. Well, so John Rustad got interviewed this week and he got asked the same question. And he said, um, well, um, yeah, I could see if uh, BC United was interested in having a meeting to discuss this. He said, I could see sitting down with them. He said, you know, uh, we could certainly talk about it. He didn't rule it out. He didn't say forget it. He didn't say I'd spent the last 18 months moving away from the BC Liberals after Falcon kicked me out. Uh, so I'm not interested in talking to him. He said, okay, um, yeah, I can see us having a talk on this. Well, that invites speculation. I mean, first of all, Rustad is in the driver's seat. He's the one who's nine points ahead. He's the one who was kicked out by Falcon. But it also raises that question, which is if those two parties could get together again, even though they've been moving apart for 18 months, um, that would make a very competitive political situation in BC. We'd be back to two parties plus the Greens. So, uh, but Rustad right away, Jill, added a caveat. He said, understand that my party's not giving up its principles. Well, 
Uh, you know, your principles are a matter of definition, but the interesting thing is I don't think they would fall out and be unable to reach agreement on climate action now because the BC United has moved away on that issue, even though that was the reason that Falcon kicked Rustad out. Uh, I don't think they would disagree on taxes in the economy. They could probably work that out because that's commonly been a point of unity on the center right. But I think they would have trouble reaching a consensus on some social conservative issues. And the SOGI issue is the, the big one, right? I, I, they really are far, far apart on that. They are far apart on socially conservative issues. They're, I think, far apart on the question of anti-vaxxing. So uh, I would be doubtful that they could get together. But uh, the fact that Rustad is even saying, well, you know, I don't have a problem meeting the guy over lunch and talking about it. The idea is out there, and I think some people who support uh, the defeat of the NDP, who give money to defeat the NDP in elections, are probably going, you know, the only way to beat the NDP is to get these two parties back together, so how can we do it? Continuing now with Vaughn Palmer. And Vaughn, we've been hearing some uh, horrible stories of uh, how people have had some experiences in the healthcare system in this province, but then also being told by uh, the health minister all the uh, improvements that are being made. Yeah, this is anecdotes versus statistics. Uh, Jill, uh, health minister Adrian Dix yesterday had a massive update on the healthcare worker recruitment program that his government put into place last year. And it was a classic Adrian Dix performance. This guy has all the numbers at his fingertips. In fact, he conducts his own technical briefings. So when we get major announcements, we get an advanced briefing, usually with public servants. We're not allowed to quote them, but it lays out the data on a PowerPoint. Well, that's not Adrian Dix's way. He conducts his own technical briefing, and then he runs the press conference later. And the message is, you know, they've added thousands of healthcare workers. Uh, the number he uses, I think, nearly 40,000. Healthcare workers added recruitment of doctors, of nurses, nurse practitioners, making it easier for foreign healthcare workers who trained elsewhere to practice in BC. And this goes on and on and on and on and on. And the problem he hits with this is, and nobody would argue that he doesn't have the stats at his fingertips, but the problem is anecdotes. I start with the question. If we've added 40,000 healthcare workers, why are ERs still closing all over the province? Why can't I get a family doctor? And the one you just referenced, Jill, is the number of stories. There's only a few of them, but they're, they're so depressing and mm. alarming of people who can't get cancer care. So we've had stories um, recently. Uh, my colleague Katie DeRosa had one in the sun yesterday, and there's another one today. A uh, woman who paid $200,000 for cancer care in the United States because she wasn't getting it in time here. Uh, the fellow who, <laughs> yeah, this is an awful story, right? He, he told, um, you might want to consider medically assisted dying because uh, we don't think we can treat you in time. Uh, it doesn't take very many anecdotes to get people asking, why is the system not delivering? These questions go to Adrian Dix, and he says, well, of course, I have sympathy. And then he says, as health minister, I can't comment on individual cases, which 
is true but also convenient. But at the end of the day, you're looking at the coverage and all the news organizations in the province have had stories of that variety out. And you go, you know, you may have hired 40,000 healthcare workers, but the system still isn't delivering the goods where it really counts. And cancer treatment is one of the main ones. You might expect you wait for knee replacement surgery or hip replacement, but Cancer is literally a matter of life and death for families, and some of these people uh, have young families. They're not uh, people of my age group where you're kind of told to suck it up and wait. Um, These are not people that can wait because it's a matter of life and death. And I mean, in this case, too, the story that, that Katie DeRosa had, I mean, this is a family still planning funeral arrangements, his celebration yeah. of life. And they made a point of speaking out because they were so horrified by what happened. I get that the health minister says, oh, I can't comment on individual cases, but come on, this is not an OK outcome in our healthcare system. Yeah, it, it parallels a storyline we got into last year around public safety in the streets. And initially the line from the government was statistical and analytical. And David Eby was the AG and he used to say it, no, no, crime rates are dropping. And you kept going back, well, they're not dropping in our downtown areas and they're not dropping where it scares the living daylights out of people, which is random attacks and repeat violent offenders. And the government finally came around on that and they said, uh, you know, the people have a point. And they started pressing for bail reform and more resources and everything. And it took a while, but they started to get some of that done. I think the problem on healthcare is that Adrian Dix tries to dazzle us with statistics. And in the long run, yeah, you're going to have to hire more doctors and more nurses and all that. But at the same time, um, and the premier said the cancer weights are unacceptable. Well, you know, the New Democrats have been government for seven years. Uh, the premier has been premier for over a year. I mean, what does unacceptable mean? What are you doing today to change the situation? And clearly the answer is they're not doing enough. They, they can blame it on the B.C. liberals when they were in government and seven years ago. Yes, and there's all kinds of things. You, you can blame your predecessor for a time. But I think public patience runs out on that issue, especially, as I say, Jill, where it's a matter of life and death. All right, Vaughn, thank you so much for this. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Bye-bye. That is Vaughn Palmer, Vancouver Sun columnist. 911. 911. What's your emergency? Ah, I'm on a cruise ship. Ah, There was an explosion. Oh, my God, the ship is sinking. I can't get out. There's water everywhere. We're going. Lock on your location. Stay with me. Hello? Are you there? Help is on the way. Angela Bassett and Peter Krause return in an all-new season of 911 on a new night. Thursday, March 14th on Global. Stream on Stack TV.